everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. I, I will just preface this by saying um, I, I believe everybody should vote. Everybody. Everybody. I believe Christians have a uh, responsibility to vote. You should vote. If you haven't voted already, you need to vote. You, you should vote. Every Christian should vote. And I was talking with a pastor this past week and landed here, and I thought this would really connect. Um, and, and by the way, when you vote, don't vote your values. You're like, what? Don't vote your values. I hear that over and over and over. Vote your values, vote your values, vote your values. That's part of the problem right now is a lot of people have values that they're voting on and they have no foundation for their values. When you go to vote, vote God's values. Vote the things that God values. Oh, come on. I thought we'd get a little better than that, right? Don't vote your values. Vote God's values. If I get one more political mailer in the mail, I'm going to go crazy. But I just got one. It was a voter's guide. And inside the voter's guide, it had check marks of who to vote for and, you know, other check marks of not who to vote for and who's been endorsed by who. And I took it. I looked at it. It said voter's guide. And I threw it in the trash. You know why? Because I have a voter's guide right here. This is everything that I need to know because I'm voting God's values. So all I need to know is what does God value? What breaks God's heart? What is God for? What is he zealous about? And here is, here is a voter's guide. If you don't know what to vote or how to vote, you need to get in your voter's guide and find out what God values. And then when you go to vote, you need to vote for what God values, what God is passionate about, what God is desperate for. That's the responsibility I believe Christians have, is not to vote your values and what makes you feel good or bad or anything else, but to vote what God values. But here, here's my question for today. This has been heavy on my heart. Uh, question's simple. What are we going to do after all of this? <laughs> you know, November 4 is coming. November 3 is the date that we're all, I mean the entire country is waiting for this date of November 3rd. Do you realize, they're, they're saying now it's estimated that both parties combined are spending over $500 million a month to get your attention to spur you to action on November 3rd. That is billions of dollars over the course of several months to get you to think about November 3rd. What are you going to do on November 4? Better even yet would be the question, who are we called to be as Christians? Who are we called to be? What are we called to do? And, and I'll tell you, it is just, I've never really experienced division like I've experienced through this political season. And, and, and it's been crazy. And I've gotten it from, from everything and anyone in between. I've gotten people who've come to me and said, if you don't tell the people to vote for Trump, we can't come to church here anymore because that means you're pro-choice. I've had people who came to me and said, if you don't post on social media in support of Black Lives Matter, your silence is compliance and we can't come to church here anymore. If you don't, I mean, just across, and I'm saying to myself, and I'm saying to them, 
Guys, it's not this hard. It is not as hard as we're making it. It is not as divided as we're making it. If our values are God's values and not the values that have been divided among political parties. I am pro-life from the womb to the tomb. Can I tell you what that means? I am pro-life from the womb to the tomb means I am pro-life unborn babies being killed. I am pro-life for children. I am pro-life for adults. I am pro-life for black people. I'm pro-life for white people. I am pro-life for cops. I'm pro-life for teachers. I am pro-life from womb to tomb. It's not divided because I believe Jesus died for everybody. And to say that he died for everybody but cares a little more here, a little more here, a little more here, a little more here is to divide salvation. It's to divide grace. I am, I am against any sort of division from political division to income opportunity division to racial division to any sort of division. I'm against it. Why is it so hard for us to rally around that? Here's why. Because political parties have divided those values. They've taken those values and they have separated them. You can be pro-life here, but you can't be pro-life here. You can support uh, police and law and order here, but you can't support police and law and order here. You can love and care for black people here, but you can't love and care for black people. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. Political parties don't determine my values. The Word of God determines my values. This is where I stand. And I don't care if it doesn't sound good, if it doesn't feel good, and I don't care if it doesn't match your cute little social media posts or anything like that. This is where I stand. This is where we should stand, and we should be against any sort of injustice or racism or division. We should be against anything that mandates the taking of an innocent life. We should be against any of these things, regardless of political line that we land on, right? But the division has to stop. Because here is what my fear is, is we have become so divided, and we've become so separated over these things that November 3rd is going to happen and someone's going to win and someone's going to lose and the division is going to be so thick that we're going to be asking ourselves, how do I overcome now? What do I do now? I have no idea now that all of this is over with what on earth I'm supposed to do. Let me introduce you to the church of Corinth. They were struggling with the exact same things. In fact, they were divided racially. They were divided politically. They were divided spiritually. They had more, they had more, I, I hear people say this all the time. Uh, man, it's, it's never been as bad as it is right now. Uh, yes, it has been, okay? The city of Corinth was legally allowing things that are illegal today, from open prostitution to the sacrificing of children on altars to foreign gods. I mean, you think, you think things are bad now. You should have been in 
Corinth. Corinth was much worse, and they were much more divided, and they had bigger challenges than we're facing, and yet Paul comes to them because he recognizes that these, these challenges and these divisions and these agendas and these political situations are separating people to a place where the church was losing its effectiveness. It hits home today, right? So divided so broken up, so at odds that the very church that he had helped plant and was ministering was so divided they had lost their effectiveness with people. They weren't able to reach people like they were supposed to. So what does he say? 1 Corinthians 1, 11-13. He says, For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. You can circle that word and write in divisions. Same word. They're telling me about your divisions. You are divided. You are completely separated. My dear brothers and sisters, verse 12, some of you are saying I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Think about the language that we're hearing right now. I support Trump. I support Biden. I'm just a Christian. We're, we're, they're saying to say, I'm, I'm a follower of Paul. Well, I'm a follower of Apollos. Well, I'm just a Christian. Verse 13, Paul says, has Christ been divided into factions? Has Jesus been divided into Republican or Democrat? Has Christ been divided into factions? And then he says, was I Paul crucified for you? Was Donald Trump crucified for you? Was Joe Biden crucified for you? Did they die on a cross for your sins? Yet then he goes on and, has, and then he says, were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? In these leaders that you have latched onto and you are championing as the only one that can save everything. And then listen to, uh, he almost insinuates the ridiculousness in his response. Of course not. Of course not. What do, what do we think? Of course they weren't. Of course he isn't. And then he goes, 1 Corinthians 3, 21 through 23, he's continuing in the same grain. And he says, oh, this, is, this is what we need today. So don't boast about following a particular human leader. The silence, I hear you. Don't boast. Don't boast. Don't boast about following a human leader. For everything belongs to you. He's speaking to the Christians. He's saying, don't boast about the human leader. You have what you need already. You already have what you need. Verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death or the present and the future, everything belongs to to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Whether they win, or they win, or they're in power, or they're in power, you have everything that you need, because you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. 
So who are we supposed to be and what are we supposed to do after everything? What do we do? Because, and I'm with you, it's just so everywhere right now. The Lord led me to, Paul wraps all of this up with our, probably the most important ministry that we can have. It's in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. He's talking again to Christians, and we quote 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, that says, if you are in a, a new creation in Christ, the old has gone and the new has come. So he's speaking again to you. He's saying, hey, you've been wrapped up in the division. You've been wrapped up in the quarrels. You've been wrapped up in human leaders, but you have been made new in Christ Jesus. He has washed you. He has cleansed you, and you are a new creation in Christ. So he says, All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is our ministry? It's the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us The message of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. The message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I really do. I feel led... um, as I prayed about this, the Lord, the Lord spoke to my heart, don't preach pastor. Don't preach right now, just pastor people and encourage people and walk people through what we need to be when this season ends because it's coming to an end and if we get so lost in it, we won't be effective after it so that we can do what God has called us to do, which is the ministry of reconciliation, which is bringing people back together. And and I think it comes back to us reminding ourselves what Paul reminded uh, the people of Corinth, saying, hey, don't don't get so infatuated with a human leader. You don't follow me. You don't follow so-and-so. You don't follow so-and-so. You follow God. That's who you should be wrapped up in. You know, I have a neighbor, uh, Brenda. She's the, she's the coolest, greatest neighbor I could have. She's in her high 70s, and her house is always in the high 70s as well. She is like, it's like a nursing home in that place. She called me the other day, and she said, hey, will you come adjust my thermostat? She don't know how to work her thermostat. And so I said, yeah, sure. I walked into her house. It was 77 degrees on the thermostat. And she said, will you turn my heat on? I'm cold. I said, Brenda, I'll cook you to death. I can't do that. Like, I, I, she said, I got two pairs of socks on right now. Oh my goodness. So I turned turn the heat on, right? And she's just, she's living the dream. She watches us online when, when she can get her computer working, which is never. So I'm sure you don't see me right now, Brenda, but I love you. As, as you can tell, Brenda and I, we got a special relationship. I love her. We always go back and forth. I help her anytime that I can with anything that she can't do and, and you know, bake her out of her own house with her thermostat and everything. But I, I called her one night because she has multiples of everything. What is it that like when you eclipse 70, you have to have like five things of the same thing? 
It's just, it's crazy, right? So I called her. We needed cream of tartar. And I said, hey, Brenda, I need some cream of tartar. And she said, I probably got three or four of them. Come on over. So I go over to Brenda's. She opens up her pantry. Sure enough, she's got like two that are expired from the 90s. And then she's got one that's like current. And then she's got one with, you know, the plastic still wrapped around it. And I said, Brenda, I said, what, what is it with you that you have, you have, I actually said, what is it with old people? Because my grandma does the same thing. And, and like I said, her and I, we go, go back and forth all the time. I said, what is it with old people? You got to have like seven copies of everything. You have seven things of everything. And she said, it's because we lived through a time where we had nothing. Yeah. I hear you now, seniors. I hear that. That's right. You tell them now. She said, it was because I lived through a time when I had nothing. And she said, when you grow up and your pantries are bare, when you can, you'll restock them with everything that you need. I think there's something for us to be said in that story of Brenda with our own spirits. To remember that there was a time where we didn't have anything. There was a time where we were broken by sin. There was a time where we had no hope. There was a time where we had no future. There was a time where we had no identity. There was a time where we had no direction. There was a time where we had no purpose. And yet Jesus has come. And Jesus is the one who has rescued us. Jesus is the one who has redeemed us. And through reconciliation with Christ, I now have the ministry of reconciliation. I have the message of reconciliation and I have the opportunity to be reconciled or to be connected with the one who truly gives me life. There are three things from Paul's passage I think we need to remind ourselves of. Both heading into the election and after the election to remind ourselves exactly what the Lord would have for us from the people of Corinth. The first is this, we have the message The ministry and the message of reconciliation. The Greek word for reconciliation, it it means to be woven together. Okay, So it's talking about two pieces that were torn apart, that were sewn together. So he's saying we have the ministry and we have the message of bringing things together, of sewing them back together. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-19, he says, All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself, through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. My ministry is not to change a vote. My ministry is to change a heart. My ministry is to reconcile people to Jesus so they vote who God has called them to be and they live out of who God has called them to be. I feel like there is such a tension right now of people trying to change people's minds. Let me tell you something. The only thing that is going to change minds is a renewed mind through Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that changes, truly changes, and truly transforms a mind. And it's the ministry that we have, and it's the message that we have been called to. We have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. I love Romans 5, 10 through 11. Paul elaborates more. He says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, How much more? How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved? 
through his life. In other words, he's saying, Jesus saved you when you didn't deserve it. How much more should we be compelled to give away that ministry of reconciliation? How much more should we be inspired? Should we be passionate about? Should we be in love with? Not telling people how we're voting or what our values are, but telling people who Jesus is and what he can do in their life. Paul is saying, you you got it when you didn't deserve it. How much more should you be compelled to give it away now? Now that you have a revelation of what God has actually done in your life. I was at Chick-fil-A the other day. It says every pastor every day of the week, right? And I, I'm there, it's lunch hour, three lanes deep, and it's just packed. It's at the one in, uh, 105 in Conroe. And I mean, they were just, no disrespect to, to the Huntsville Chick-fil-A. I, I love our Huntsville Chick-fil-A. Let me just put that out there before my friend, yeah, you can, you can applaud. Because if not, I'm going to get banned from that one because the, the guy there happens to be a friend of mine. I am a huge fan. Let me just put that out there. No disrespect. But I happen to be in Conroe. And so I was at the Conroe 105, Chick-fil-A, right? And there's this little jot in that's, that's right there, you know, and, and it comes in from 105 and the line was there. And so I'm being a respectful driver. There's something to be said for people who know how to drive nowadays, right? So I leave the intersection open. I'm like, I don't want to block the drive. So that you, so someone pulls in through that little jot and I'm like, yeah, go ahead, go across. And they dart right in front of me in the line. Bad move. Listen, you don't separate a pastor from his Christian chicken. It's like, you made a mistake here, friend. So I just start playing a song on my horn. I'm like, ba 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 And she's looking back at me, and she's like, whoa, look back. And I'm like, hey, you see me here? I'm in line. Hey. You know, like you're giving like sign language through the window because your window's not down. I'm like, it was me. I was next. And so then she throws in her brake lights or her, her reverse lights come on. And I'm like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I was like, she's going to ram me. But she was trying to like move out of the way so that I could, I could get my rightful spot. So then I'm like feeling bad. I'm like, great. She didn't even know that she did it. Uh, hopefully she doesn't know I'm a pastor. And so we get up to the front of the line and she orders her food. And the little girl with the iPad comes back to me and she's talking to me and she's like, what do you want to order? And I told her and she said, okay, thanks. And I said, hey, I got to pay. And she said, no, no, no. The woman in front of you wanted to make sure that she bought your order. Right? Listen to you all making me feel terrible making me feel so bad. Do you know after that, one, I was embarrassed. I was like, wow, you really acted like a maniac. But then two, I was like, okay, fine. Give me the car and the minivan. Give me the minivan full of kids. I'll pay for them. Like, you're going to do this for me. I'll pay for the minivan full of kids if we have to. But what it did was when someone did something for me that I didn't deserve, it inspired me to do something for somebody else that they didn't deserve. That's the ministry of reconciliation. Right now, we are so divided by people and these agendas that we're not even willing to do something for somebody. It's based upon whether or not they deserve it. No, the ministry of reconciliation is saying to you, how much more should you do it for those that don't deserve it? How much more should you extend grace? How much more should you extend love? How much more should you care for those that are not with you? How much more should you do that? Because Jesus did that for you. That's the ministry of reconciliation. The second one is 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. 
To be an ambassador is to be appointed. They're not elected, they're appointed. And the ambassador that is appointed is representing the person that has appointed them. So Paul is saying he has now appointed you. He's reconciled you. He's given you the ministry of reconciliation. And now he's appointed you to be an ambassador for him to people, to go and represent him among people. I was, when I was on staff at the Ark in Conroe, they, uh, they had called the church in Conroe and they had asked Pastor Allen if he would send somebody, um, on behalf of the church, if he would send somebody to the city council meeting that they were having on like a Tuesday night. And Allen said, hey man, I can't go. Uh, do you want to just go for the, the church and for me to just take my place and be there? And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem, all right? That's good. So I showed up. I mean, I just, you know, go to, go to the council meeting. I was sitting in the back and then they came and got me and they were like, oh, no, 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 you're, you're here from the Ark, right? I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, thanks so much. Yeah, come on up to the front. And there's like tons of people there. They're voting on something big. So they brought me up to the front. I'm sitting next to the police chief, the fire chief. And, I, and I'm like, what am I doing right now? I'm, just, I'm sitting there, you know. And then all of a sudden, Mayor Toby Powell was the mayor at the time. He stands up and he says, uh, now we have our faith ambassador, Pastor Luke Cunningham from the Ark Church. And I'm like, is this for real? Like, what? What? And he said, and he's going to come up, and he's going to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance, and he's going to lead us in the Texas Pledge, and then he's going to pray. And I'm like, bro, I'm from Kansas. I have no idea what I'm supposed to say. I, I mean, I was horrified. Horrified. Like, what, what is he saying right now? So, I, I, I mean, at that point, you're sunk, right? I mean, this thing's online. It's everywhere. So I walked up there, and I was like... <laughs> Hi. <laughs> yeah. Like, I pledge allegiance to this flag, United States of America, and which is the end of one nation under God, invisible, without control. And then I said, uh, I honor, pledge allegiance to Texas. And they're all just staring at me like, what are you doing? And I was like, honor the flag, because that's all I remember from it. It's like, there is this part, isn't it? You honor the flag. Is that one of the first? I was like, honor the flag of Texas, <laughs> and totally, totally, and then I was like, all right, let's just pray, and I was like, Lord, I just pray that you would calm anxieties and peace. It was horrible. It was terrible. There is nothing worse than being an ambassador for something and not knowing what you represent. There is nothing worse. If I were to say right now, uh, hey, you come up here, you're going to represent all the women in the room, and you're going to tell what women should be praying and what they should be believing and how they should be standing. Come on up here, Carrie. Carrie would be like, nope, nope, I'm out of here. I leave the church. I'm done with this place. I want no part. Yet I'm sitting here thinking, what do I do? We are ambassadors. The problem is a lot of people don't know what they're representing. He said, we are ambassadors, but we are ambassadors of Christ. You have to know that every place that you go, every place that God places you, every opportunity that He gives you, every conversation that He starts up, the number one thing we are to represent is Jesus. The number one thing. The priority thing. The most important thing is representing Christ. Too much now. We are ambassadors for things other than Jesus. Paul is saying we bring the ministry of reconciliation to people through being an ambassador of Christ. Through representing Christ. And then he lands here, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. He says, we implore you then, 
on behalf of Christ, saying we beg you on behalf of Christ. We are begging you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Be woven together with God, saying you have the message of Christ. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ. This is important. We have to remind ourselves that November 4 and November 3 and every date between before then, we have the message primarily of reconciliation. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ. And the number one thing we are to be committed to and in, involved with is Christ. We're to be following Christ. We are woven together with Christ. I was in my office the other day, and uh, my favorite t-shirt, I was wearing my favorite t-shirt. I, I love black t-shirt, black jeans. My, my son the other day said, black on black with your hair slicked back. That's, what, that's how he describes me, <laughs> right? Yeah. He's getting really funny, by the way. He's, he's also a little idiot, but he's pretty funny. And he said, Back on black with your hair slicked back. But I had this favorite t-shirt, this black t-shirt. And uh, man, I don't know about you, but I hate tags on my clothes. Anybody... Anybody in here just hate that? I mean, what, and they're, they're putting more and more of them on, right? You have the one that's back here, always instantly rip that thing off. And then they have like the button tag, right? They got, they got the, right, the button tag is the worst. You have the button, it's long, and there's like all these disclaimers on it. It's like wash and cold water, and delicates. It's half cotton, half polyester, half Indonesian wool, and you know, whatever. You, you can get cancer if you wear it in Canada or something. It's just crazy. It's like all the stuff on them. I'm like, what do they even need to put this on here for? So I was at my office, and I had this, this button tag that was driving me nuts. And so I was like, oh, I'm so sick of this thing. And I reached in, and I grabbed it, and I pulled, and I ripped my shirt in half. I mean, literally, just, and there's other people in this office, right? And I ripped my shirt. It's my favorite shirt. I was like, Word. Like, how did that happen, you know? And so I looked at it, and I took the tag, and it was still attached to my shirt. And I turned it around, and <laughs> awesome, right? It said, do not pull, only cut, tag sewn to shirt, and it had scissors on it. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, right? Tag was sewn into the shirt. Like, are we really to that level right now that it's sewn? And, it's, and so when I think of being reconciled with God, and we get the Greek picture of being woven together, of being sewn together with him, so tightly with him that nothing can pull us away from him. That's where we're supposed to be. Don't allow this season to divide you. Do what you need to do, do what you should do, and vote, and continue to love people, and continue to preach Jesus, but don't let life for you end on November 4. Let ministry begin, and that ministry is reconciliation. How can we bring people together? How can we love them better? How can we unite them under the banner of Christ? And how can we see Jesus change lives? Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life, and we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith.